is uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And last week we looked at the first beatitude, which is, Blessed are those the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And today we're going to look at the next two, which are, Blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek. And I think many people today misunderstand what it means to mourn and what it means to be meek. To mourn does not mean to be sad, and meek does not mean to be weak. So let us pray together. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Amen. So last week we looked at blessed are the poor in spirit. And when you're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and especially actually looking at anything in Scripture, you need to make sure that we just don't take one verse and just look at one verse without understanding the big picture. Because Jesus, this is part of a larger sermon that Jesus is giving. And we always need to keep the big picture in mind. It reminds me of a story of a man. um, Let's you pick a name. um, Gary. We'll call him Gary. Gary had just moved to Chandler, Arizona, and Gary is an engineer, and he is very meticulous in things that he likes to build. He's very handy with his hands. And so he got to Chandler, Arizona, and did not have a wall around his backyard. And so he wanted to build a brick wall like every other house in Chandler, Arizona has a brick wall six feet high. And so he spent days and days measuring and calculating exactly how many bricks he would need. And so he figured all of this out, finally went to the store, and he bought the exact number of bricks that he was going to need. He is so proud of the way he was able to calculate all this. And so he gets home, and he spent three days building this wall. And he got to the end, and he looked, and he had one brick left over. So what did he do with the brick? He threw it over the fence. Wow, my wife told me that I shouldn't tell that story. It... <laughs> I thought you guys would have gotten it. Oh, well. <clears throat> okay, let's go back to the Beatitudes. You'll get it. I'm used to chain link fences in the backyard, so. Um, there's a progression in the Beatitudes. There is a progression in the Beatitudes from one Beatitude to the other. And so when we look at them, we need to remember what has come first. So the first Beatitude was, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So this is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Let's read our text for today. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. 
For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. As we look at the Beatitudes, there's two groups of Beatitudes. There's the first four that deal with personal qualities like humility, penitence, self-control, and desire for righteousness. These are the sources of inner peace. And then the second group deal with social qualities like mercifulness toward others, purity of heart, peacemaking, and self-sacrificing loyalty to righteousness. And the blessings of the kingdom are social as well as individual. Now, as we said before, it's important to take the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, and we need to remember that Jesus was addressing his disciples, not the whole world. He was addressing his disciples, although what he says to them is applicable to everyone. But he's speaking to people who have already responded to the call to follow him. He went up on a hill, mountainside, and the disciples came to him, and then he teaches them. And I think it would be good for us to put the Beatitudes up on the walls of the church, not to say this is how we should live, but rather to say this is who we are. You see, Jesus didn't say, live this way and you will become Christians. He was saying, because you are followers of me, this is who you are. And basically, the Sermon on the Mount can be summed up with what would later be called the new commandment. Jesus said to his disciples, the new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And so the whole Sermon on the Mount can be summed up in those words, and actually it is an explanation of how to love one another. And so we're looking at these next two Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn and blessed are the meek. And they both come after a person has realized that they are poor in spirit, that we have nothing in ourselves that can gain us access to God. All our religious practices, all our religiosity, so to speak, counts for nothing in gaining me access to God. And after I understand that I am poor in spirit, I'm ready for the next beatitude, which is, blessed are those who mourn. Now this seems to be completely backwards. I will be blessed, happy, and joyful if I mourn. It almost seems contradictory. But we need to understand the, word, the meaning of the word to mourn. It's a very specific term rather than a general term about feeling sad. And when Jesus is using this word, he's talking about mourning our own mortality. That we are all going to die. We are to mourn death. Not just mourn things that make us sad, but specifically death. And we need to deal with the fact that we are mortal. And we need to grieve and mourn death. And Jesus is saying, you can't save yourself and you're going to die. And once you grieve this, then you can be comforted by me. And this comfort isn't some psychological mindset. No, it is a gift from God. Once you realize that you're poor in spirit and that you can do nothing to earn access to God, and once you understand that you're going to die and spend an eternity either with God or separated from God, once you've grieved that and understand that, then you're ready to receive the blessings that God has. And facing our own mortality is very daunting, and it should be until we understand that, that death is final. We can't cry out to God for help. 
and receive the gift of everlasting life that he offers us. And so Jesus tells us, you will be blessed if you mourn your own mortality. You will be blessed, for then you will be comforted. I will comfort you in your mourning. And then he goes right from there to say, And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And meekness is often misunderstood in the church today, especially in America. It is not the same as humility. If Jesus wanted to say, blessed are the humble, he would have said, blessed are the humble. But he said, blessed are the meek. And he used that word because it has a very specific meaning. Now, I read about an organization of people that tried to put blessed are the meek into practice, and they called themselves the devout order of really meek and timid souls. Let me read that again. Devout order of really meek and timid souls. You can shorten that into an acrostic which would read doormats. Being meek has nothing to do with letting people walk all over you. It is an attitude of the heart and mind that transforms how we relate to God and how we relate to others. In America, the national symbol for freedom is the eagle. Right? The eagle. Why do we love that symbol so much? The eagle is totally free. It goes wherever it wants. But you never see a picture of an eagle in a group, do you? It's all alone. Total freedom. And they taste really good. No, I'm sorry, they don't. <laughs> but if you Google an image for meek, you know what you get? You get an image of a little lamb. And that is absolutely not what meekness is about. The Greek symbol for meekness is a horse. And the definition of meek or meekness is power under control. Power under control. And it's a very fitting image, the image of the horse, as a symbol for meekness. You see, many associate the word meek with weak. To some, the word means or brings to mind a person who's unable to stand for themselves, is easily persuaded, and is generally weak-minded and weak-willed. But the word carries none of those meanings of things associated with being weak. The meek has been translated mild or gentle. But originally, originally the word applied to the outer characteristics of things and people, it was not considered a virtue or an attitude. And today's meaning of meek has been watered down to the point that most has, I mean, it has lost its true meaning. And so the Greek historian Xenophon said that the image of meek is a broken horse, meaning a horse that has been tamed. Not a wild horse, but power under control. And Jesus used that term to say, blessed are the meek. The horse is a powerful animal, but until it's tamed and broken and comes under the control of someone else, it really is useless. It's useless for any tasks that it was created for. But once it's tamed, it can be taught, and a tamed horse is a perfect picture of power under control. Under whose control are we? 
A person who is teachable is considered meek. A meek person does not have to be right all the time, and a meek person will live a life of strength under control. You could actually translate this verse as, blessed are those who obey, or blessed are those who choose to obey. A.W. Tozer wrote this, the meek person is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his own moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God declares him to be, but paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That is his motto. But that begs the question, who controls us? This is not about being timid. This is not about being afraid or powerless. Blessed are those who have submitted themselves to the control of God. That's what it means to be meek. And when we submit ourselves to the control of God, we will be blessed. And this is contrary to the mindset of people in Jesus' day, and it's contrary to the mindset of people today. When Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, he was quoting Psalm 37. Psalm 37, David wrote this psalm. Listen to these words. It says, Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither, like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the earth and enjoy great peace. And so Jesus is quoting this, and what it means to inherit the earth is to inherit the promised land. This was very specific to the children of Israel. If you submit yourself to the control of God, you will inherit the promised land, meaning Israel. If you do not, you will lose the land. And this is a history of Israel and throughout the whole Old Testament, when they obeyed and they submitted themselves to the control of God, God gave them the promised land. And when they rebelled against him, most of the time they were kicked out of the promised land. When they submitted themselves to the Lord, they were blessed. Well, two examples in the scriptures of meek people are Moses and Jesus. Moses and Jesus. Moses is actually said to be the most meek person of all. That's in uh, Numbers chapter 12, 
verse 3. When you think of Moses, though, Moses is not a weak person. He is a very powerful person. He went to Pharaoh demanding the release of God's people. He took the people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt into the promised land. As he was leading them out, he got to the Red Sea and he held up his staff to part the waters. The children of Israel passed through on dry ground. This is a person who led grumbling, complaining people for 40 years. And it was said that he was very meek of all the people on the face of the earth. Jesus is also considered or called meek. Jesus is not a weak person at all. Matthew chapter 11 verse 29 says, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. Christ is meek and lowly in heart, but he is a strong man who could do intense physical labor. He could call down angels from heaven at his bidding, but he stood silent before his accusers as they beat him and taunted him. And he took the nails in his hands and died upon the cross. And while he was dying there, he spoke words of forgiveness and mercy to those who were killing him. And even to the other criminal on the cross beside him. It wasn't that he was weak that kept him on the cross. It that was that he was meek. Weak, no way. Meek, absolutely. He submitted his will, he submitted his power to that of the Heavenly Father in order for our salvation. Power under control. Jesus would have preferred to avoid the cross, but he submitted his will to the Lord. And because of that, we are blessed. Sometimes that's why I like the translation or the way to read that is blessed are those who choose to obey power under control so why is this important for our spiritual lives today well meekness is essential for us to live the life that god wants us to live are we going to submit our wills and our power and our strength to god's control are we going to do things our own way are we going to submit our wills to god or are we going to live our lives our way Meekness is the key to living the blessed life. Now, let me just consider a couple barriers that keep us from mourning and from being meek. We'll switch it around and we'll start with meek, though. The first barrier that keeps us from being meek, I think, is do we trust God? Do we think that God actually has a better plan for our lives than we do for ourselves? It's a matter of trust, because if we actually believe that God has a better plan for us, we will trust him. If we don't, we won't. Why would we submit our wills to God's if we don't trust him? Now, the barriers that keep us from mourning are a little more difficult, and that's because I think we're totally emotionally shut off. Think about this. When you go to a funeral and someone gets up to say something at the funeral, They get up and they start speaking and they start to cry and what do they do? They apologize. Why? Why would they apologize 
for crying at a funeral. I think we should really apologize if we don't cry. When you go to a funeral and if you don't shed any tears, go up and say, I'm really sorry, I'm emotionally shut off. You know, think about it. When my father passed away a number of years ago, I remember my mother had a difficult time because she wanted to try and comfort us as we were grieving. And my mother shows love through food, and so she kept making meal after meal after meal for everyone else. And she never took the time to grieve herself because if she stopped doing all the, and, and keeping busy, she would have to deal with the fact that she lost the love of her life and grieve death. And it wasn't until a year later when she was trying to make decisions and she realized she was just unable to make any decisions, she went and talked to a pastor and realized that she had never truly grieved. And when she did that, she was freed and blessed. Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus and he never apologized for crying. We often build walls around our hearts so that we won't get hurt. But the problem with those walls is they keep us from being loved, from receiving love, and also from truly loving. Think about this. Star Trek. Any of you guys know Star Trek? Okay. Okay. James Tiberius Kirk, right? The original Star Trek TV show. Who is the person he always goes to, goes to first before making any decision? Who is the second in command? It's Spock. And Spock is a Vulcan who is not guided by emotions, but is guided by logic. Okay? That makes sense for us. Okay. Star Trek The Next Generation. Jean-Luc Picard, before he makes any decision, goes to who? No, he goes to Counselor Troy so he can get in touch with his emotions. Remember, if you think about that, before he makes any decision, he goes to Counselor Troy and they sit down and have a nice talk. That's why we don't like Star Trek The Next Generation, because we don't want to get in touch with our emotions. We want Spock and logic. Well, let me end with this story about this very meek lady. She was traveling over in Europe. And if you've ever traveled in Europe and traveled by train, <clears throat> it's a very unique experience because they have seats that face each other. And this lady gets on and she is traveling with her little dog. And the little dog is in her lap. It's this nice little white Bichon Frise type dog. And if you've been on the trains there, you can open the windows to get fresh air as you're going along. Well, this <clears throat> rather large, obnoxious man comes and sits right across from her. He looks at her and he says, Ma'am, I don't like your dog. Would you mind moving? This meek lady says, No, I was here first. I'm not going to move. Well, with that, he gets up, opens the window, pulls a cigar out of his jacket, and starts to smoke the cigar. The lady says to him, Sir, I would appreciate if you didn't smoke that cigar. Plus, it's irritating my dog. And he said, well, your dog is irritating me. And with that, he takes a puff of his cigar and blows it in her direction. She is very taken aback. And she says, sir, if you do that again, I am going to grab your cigar and throw it out the window. 
He says, ma'am, if you grab my cigar and throw it out the window, I am going to grab your dog and throw it out the window. And with that, he takes a big puff in his cigar and blows it right in the dog's face. The dog starts to cough. And she gets up and she grabs the guy's cigar and throws it out the window. Well, he gets up and he grabs the dog and throws it out the window. Well, the lady's terrified. She gets up and she grabs the emergency brake and the train is slowly coming to a stop. And she runs to the back of the train car and looks out the side and opens the door to look out. And the train's coming to a stop. And there's her dog running along beside the train. And guess what it has in its mouth? The brick! When you get the big picture, it all makes sense now. The brick. You guys get that. Now it makes sense. Okay. It's sort of the same with the Beatitudes and in teaching of Jesus. Jesus sees the big picture for our lives. He knows the big picture and everything makes sense to him. And so when he tells you, blessed are you when you mourn, you will be comforted. Blessed are you when you're meek, for you will inherit the earth. He knows what he's seeing. He sees a big picture and he knows what's best for our lives. And he wants you to live the blessed life. And when we submit our wills to him, when we truly grieve, we will receive the blessings that he has for us now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to know of your love for us. What a privilege it is, Heavenly Father, to study the scriptures, to know that you want to bless us for your honor and glory. And Lord, often it is very difficult to us, for us because the world teaches us things that are contrary to what Jesus said. And so, Lord, help us to remember that we are mortal. And help us, Lord, to submit ourselves to your control. And help us, Lord, to receive the blessings that you want to give us. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory. For we pray this all in Jesus' name, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.